Hello, All Beer Inside listeners. We here at All Beer Inside understand that not everyone has the time to watch a YouTube video, so we are presenting the audio-only portion of the show here for your ear holes. This is the audio from episode 138 of the YouTube show, which was originally released on July 15th, 2022. You could subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, the brand new TrendingTopicsNetwork.com, and most other listening avenues for this podcast. We also kindly ask that you rate, review, subscribe, and leave comments to wherever you are getting this wonderful sound. Please enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to All Beer Inside. Today we are back in Ottawa, uh, specifically the Gloucester area, and joining me today is Jamie and Ben from Shillow Brewing. Hello. Shillow Beer Company, to be technical. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you very much for hosting us today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your clearly very busy schedule and family time to speak with us about your brewery today. Welcome. It's our pleasure. Yeah. Uh, you brought me out a great looking beer here to try. What am I going to be drinking here? Um, so this is a dry hopped lemon wit beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a wit beer recipe, and, but instead of using orange peel and coriander, which are common for the style, um, I decided to dry hop it and add lemon juice. Um, so it's a nice, refreshing, almost like an adult lemonade. It's a great patio, thirst-quenching beer. Awesome. As yeah. you do on the show, a toast. Toast. <laughs> Ooh, delightful. Ooh. Yeah, it's like, it's lemonade, but it's not like overpowering, like punch to the face lemon craziness. It's super clean, nice little balance. Like you said, I can see myself sitting on a patio and drinking a bunch of these. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's a good uh, summer beer. Yeah, super crushable summer beer. Fantastic. Uh, at five-ish percent? Four nine. Yes. Four nine, yeah. Amazing. Uh, so as I like to ask, what's the beer story? What brought you both together uh, as a married couple into the beer industry? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um... I don't know. We we both come by food and beverage, uh, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, having spent many years in hospitality and uh, myself as a sommelier in the beverage world and other capacities. Jamie in the craft beer world, working also with, with cheese and other such uh, you know artisanal products uh, throughout Ontario. And I don't know if there was one specific thing that triggered us. It was a just a kind of a path that led us towards exploring craft beer. Um, exploring home brewing and then ultimately realizing that I wasn't any good at it <laughs> but Jamie on the other hand um, well she could tell her own story but the truth it is it was his idea to <laughs> to get a homebrew kit mm-hmm. we're gonna start home brewing and let's buy the, all this stuff and let's get the books um, and he was bad at it mm-hmm. yeah. we made some really bad batches Terrible of beer, beer. Um, and then I eventually, just in my spare time, started flipping through these books and watching a few YouTube videos um, and investing some time into building uh, a bit better equipment to start doing all grain batches instead of mm-hmm. extract batches. Um, and I, I just took to the, the hobby. Um, I really like cooking and baking and, okay. and you know, all that stuff, which is uh, there's similarities. Um, and I, I just really liked it. So Ben eventually encouraged me to apply to the Niagara College Brewing Program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got in. I, I was the third class to go through that program. Um, One of five women at the time. There was five women in yeah. the class. Um, yeah, and I think we, ha- we had always had a bit of an entrepreneurial want to open our own business. We used to talk about opening yeah. our own restaurant. Um, we talked about opening a brew pub for a little while. Um, so yeah, that was the idea that we were going to start our own thing. Um, and then that eventually turned into a brewery in Ottawa. Now, as, as a woman of brewing, it's very clear that it's, this is still very much a boy's game still. You know, a lot of guys look like me who do this stuff. 
Uh, what, what made you decide, like, I'm going to be one of those women who are going to break through this stereotype of it's just not a boy's game anymore? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that was ever really part of my thought process. Okay. I mean, it's definitely, you know, something that I kind of have to deal with as I go through. I've been fortunate enough to work um, at some really great beer restaurants. Uh -huh. um, and the, the owners, the managers, um, my coworkers were all really great at sharing beer knowledge with me. Um, you know, I worked at Bar Volo years and years ago. Um, I worked at Beer Bistro. Okay. Um, I eventually got to the point where I was doing all of this stuff beer training for Beer Bistro, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I was lucky enough to be in places that, that really helped me grow in my knowledge of beer. Um, so that's where I was coming from. It wasn't really like a, yeah. having, having to fight my way through okay. in, in that respect. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I do, like, you know, it, it's modern age. People should just do what makes you happy despite what anybody else thinks, right? And clearly, you guys have been open a, a three, four years now? This place has been open for one year. One year, okay. Uh, before that, we were contract brewing since 2014. Okay, yeah. So you've been making clearly beer for a while now, and with the one-year location, uh, it's very, it's very nice to have you out there. I've, I know I've had your bitter waitress and your beer snob right. from the LCBOs before, uh, and then I was in the area doing pretty sure family stuff, and I'm like, oh, I've never been here before. And you're one of the few places that are still like we're open on a Sunday during the pandemic. So I came in, I grabbed a few beers and rushed out because at the time there was no drinking inside because there was still a worldwide pandemic going on. Um, and it was nice to like find you guys kind of surrounded in this area and Jordan St. John having his map also helps. So right. It's, uh, it's always nice to see there's more beers to try. You've had clearly a lot more since I was here, I think last March. So yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that comes from our restaurant background. Um, you know, I worked in beer places where we're constantly trying to find different things to recommend for different people. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been serving craft beer since before it was a really big thing. So, you know, I got used to, you know, teaching people who don't really know anything about craft beer how, how to find their beer. Um, so our approach to our selection is very much, you know, try to have something for everyone, try to, try to have a nice range of styles. Um, Curating you know. a list. Yeah, there are some breweries that like really specialize in sours or IPAs. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to have a little bit of, of all of those things. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, variety is the spice of life, so why not have a variety in your beer styles? Mm -hmm. there's, there's no question about it that. It also makes us good neighbors. Yeah. You know, we're not doing anything that truly overlaps with anyone in the vicinity, mm -hmm. which is important for everyone yeah. for, for very obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, the way I see it is there's plenty of craft beer for everybody. We share the love. There's no question about it, you know. Most of my... Paycheck when I'm drinking beer is craft beer, unless I'm at a stadium event where they don't have it. Unfortunately, that's still a reality, but yeah. if I can get a craft beer somewhere, I'm buying a craft beer. There's no question about it. It's, well, we it's To me, it's, it's always, that's what our show's about, that's what I'm about, is supporting local businesses. Buy local and talk local. Yeah. You know, word of mouth has to be an action plan for people as consumers. Mm -hmm. And we see that a lot here actually in Ottawa versus other places in Ontario. There's a really amazing grassroots kind of consumer support for the local breweries here. Almost, I would say, you know, not hardcore analytics, but a, a strong majority of, of deliveries every week are local deliveries. Mm -hmm. You know, outside of the outside of the business to business, but just yeah. amongst uh, retail. So, Chilo is, is your family name? Uh, why name it that and why not, like, you know, Gloucester Beer Company or, or Ottawa Blah 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 or something different? 
why why'd you stick with the family name? We so <laughs> <laughs> I think we went with Shiloh just because um, I couldn't think of anything else at the time. Nothing really jumped out at me, so we just put Shiloh Beer Company, and and then we. It was the least controversial name we came <laughs> up with. Um, but I mean, we originally when we started contract brewing, we were based in Toronto, mm -hmm. so, so that's why Ottawa never came into the picture yeah. before. Um, it was a yeah, you know it was we, just kind of a, it was a placeholder that ended up sticking. Oh, it's a unique name on top of that. It is. I, people remember it. I don't think I've ever seen the same one, even in the U.S. or in, and I mean, the U.S. has like seven thousand breweries. That's so. right. Well, we're we're not such a big family. Yeah. But um, right, it was it was a placeholder. But um, there there is something to be said for something that has followed us. Um, we especially during a time where, as you can imagine, during the pandemic, even before that, you know, the the the, the direction in which Shiloh Beer Company was going was not precarious, but it was uncertain. There was a lot of questions where we were ultimately going to be and last thing I'd want to do is call myself Ogilvy Brewing Company or, or, or whatever that might be. Um, so there, there were certain pragmatics and also, you know, it's easy for people to disconnect from a brand when it's just an not an obscure name but a detached name. Mm -hmm. You know, they're Shiloh Beer Company, they're going to know it as us and for better or for worse, it, it's tied in with our own story. Oh, it's, that's awesome. I, I love hearing every place is unique with their names and, and hearing that story is even, it's amazing that, you know, this is us, this is who we are, and we're not going to change for anybody. So. I think also, um, you know, Ben, who's mostly in charge of the sales, gets a lot of comments about just our approach to service. And mm -hmm. that definitely comes from our hospitality background, and that is unique to us and, and you know, where we come from, why we started the company. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, the, the placeholder name just... Fits. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, a year in, you know, a year into the pandemic, you're like, we're we're opening a location. That I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine the curveball that must have thrown you guys, uh, considering That's this is not just something. It's like a pop up shop. You can't just simply do this. There's planning. There's getting the equipment in. There's canning. Are we going to do a canning line? Are we going to do bottles? Are we going to do this? Like. Yeah. What what made you decide? You know, okay, well, the pandemic's happening. We have to. Let's this, open a this business. Has to happen. Oh, oh, Jamie, what, yeah. what made us decide right now? So, I mean, we had been planning to open our own physical brewery for years and years, mm -hmm. and the wheels were already in motion at the point that the pandemic hit. We had already made certain, you know, moves towards um, towards financing the place. Um, so at that point, we had to choose either to push forward and, and keep going and. Um, persevere or to completely shut it all down and at that point it was well we we're probably gonna close the business altogether and we, it just broke our hearts to think of doing that so yeah. so we kept going um, and it wasn't easy um, you know trying to because um, at first you know the banks were saying oh yeah you know like thing, things will be okay we're, we're still gonna give uh, give people loans and then yeah. that that turned um, Obviously, so it, it, south on a dime. it was it was a struggle to to just get open. Um, so we had to rewrite a lot of the business plan. We had to pare down a lot of things. You know, originally we wanted to have a bit more of a restaurant concept, um, some food service. Um, we had to kind of pare down to like, okay, what's the basic minimum that we need to do just to get operating, um, and then hopefully build up from there. So, so that's where we are. Has uh, with the restrictions being a lot less ever since. Uh, are people filling in this place during during the week when you guys are open? I know you have some selective hours, but 
Are people still coming in, grabbing a couple of pints nearby? Because you're in a fairly industrial area. Yeah, people so. are still starting to um, to realize that we're here. Mm -hmm. um, and we've also been slowly, you know, we didn't have the, the tap room area set up at first. So mm -hmm. kind of we added that and then we just added some outdoor seating as well. So kind of we're slowly expanding our... our we changed our sign. <laughs> opportunities, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but we are seeing more people come in and, and sit and have have drinks so, in the tap room. Right, so there are, there are folks that are, we're getting a lot of referrals from other businesses to come. Ottawa Beer Drinker Society, that whole group, many of them saying, we were so sorry we haven't come to see you sooner, and they're, so they're, they're making up for it now. Um, I made a joke about the sign, but the sign on the pylon was recently lowered to eye level for people driving by, mm -hmm. and that's actually increased traffic. But the, the big thing that's going to come up is this whole area is developing, it's gentrifying. Um, so the next, starting now, but over the next two to five years, there's condominiums popping up, there's all sorts of things that are happening. So everything that we're assessing now is really early days yeah. for the neighborhood. And yeah, with uh, co condos, I mean, that brings in the younger people who are more willing to try local, local products than they are versus all the mass-produced stuff, so that's yeah. going to be big. That's amazing. And, and even you mentioned the sign coming down to eye level, that's just it's numbers show that people are going to look straight ahead and see something and then look at it. So. You know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm always grateful, particularly to Jamie, for always restraining some of the bigger ideas that we come up with. Not that they're not great ideas, but it, what's proven time and time again, it's a number of small steps that make the biggest impact. You know, with a, you know, just that consistency on social media, signage, other mm -hmm. things that really just kind of accent our, um, our visibility. Uh, so, Jamie, first beer you ever brewed that, that kind of good or bad? What was that first beer that you ever homebrewed? I think our first extract homebrew was, was it? I don't, I don't even remember it was that bad. Yeah, don't count. Don't it count was a drain yeah. You can ask what you brewed. Yeah, so what was the first? The first beer that, uh, the first like <laughs> decent, drinkable, all green. Um, it was, so it was, a, it was a, I think I made it in the fall when everyone was, you know, doing pumpkin beers. Mm -hmm. Those were really big. So mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to make a beer with squash instead of, instead of pumpkin. Mm. So I used, I think, acorn squash and all those spices as well. Yeah. Um, and we called it Squish Squash Spicy <laughs> Ale. That was awesome. <laughs> it was good. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Squish Squash. That's a It great was good. Name. It was drinkable. Yeah. It, like, it actually tasted like a well-made beer instead of just like a, like a... Yeah, those extract hits, from what I understand, not, not great. And there's, you know, there's a craft brewery in the U.S. near the Canada border that I'm like, oh, we got to talk to them. we got to talk to them. And we spoke with another local brewery out of Cornwall in Ruben. And he's like, no, they just do kits. I'm like, oh, no. Who does kits? Uh, it's a brewery in the U.S. I'm not oh, going to mention yeah. the name, but um, it's like, how are you a craft brewer and making kit beer? That's, that's pretty wild to me. So I don't, I don't get it. And, you know, they were on my priority list of that. Yes, when the border's open, we're interviewing these guys. And then hearing from other people, it's like, don't. I'm like, okay, no problem. Thank maybe you. you still want to interview so, them just to find out. Maybe. I have one question. Why? <laughs> Why? <Yeah. laughs> uh, what's the first beer that came out of, ever came out of Shiloh as, as uh, the brand in 2014? 2014? Yeah, because you said you started contract yeah, brewing in so 2014. So was contract the brewing. Um, the first beer that I made commercially was actually um, a custom beer for Beer Bistro. Okay. I was still working there as a server at the time. 
Um, ben actually came up with, he was chatting with the bar manager, I think, at like the staff holiday party. Um, and party was like, you guys, you guys should have your own custom beer and Jamie should brew it. And I was like, can I finish school first? Because um, that was like a year before I'd even finished the program. But they, they both thought it was a great idea. So we kind of like planned to, mm -hmm. to get this um, whole contract brewing thing started when I was finishing school. Yeah, we took our time um, implementing. So we created a, uh, a brown ale okay. for them, nice food-friendly American brown ale. Um, so that was uh, exclusively on tap there for like until the beginning of the pandemic and everyone kind of really strong run. shut down and, and stopped. Um, and then our first wide release LCBO um, contract brew um, was actually this one, the Bitter Waitress okay. Black IPA. So I had actually um, brewed that previously as part of a home brewing contest um, that ended up winning first place. Um, so that was kind of the, the go-to recipe that we decided to, to go with cool. first. Awesome. And, and I mean, that's when it came is this, you have the Bitter Waitress, the Beer Snob, uh, Brave Noise, which is a collab, yeah. uh, and then everything else is kind of named after styles. Uh, so you have like the two kind of, as I say, like the scales or the Gemini of it is, uh, you're going from just the names to two different names. What made you decide to have those two different concepts for, for your naming? Naming sucks. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's a simple enough answer. <laughs> You know, I've, I've always said, like, I have my own ideas of if I ever open a brewery, I'm sticking very specifically with this type of stuff. And I've, yeah. I've got maybe three names in my back pocket yeah. that Jamie and I both agree on. And I'm embarrassed to tell you how long it took me to come up with them. <laughs> <laughs> and your labeling, you stick with, like, very... Just the colors are, are straightforward and out there. It's, it's a very classic style of labeling. What, what made you decide that? That's not a branding going... change. Okay. That is a branding It was more change. just, you know, we were opening and we wanted to try a lot of different recipes and see, you know, what, mm -hmm. what was going to stick and what we were going to change, what we were going to do year-round versus seasonal. Um, so we just wanted to keep things simple and very identifiable. I think, again, that goes back to just, like, our experience in hospitality and helping people, you know, find beers and find mm -hmm. flavors and not get wrapped up in, like, the, the funny, quirky names, which we enjoy, obviously, <laughs> um, doing that stuff as well. But um, just as far as the, the kind of establishment phase of, you know, de developing recipes and, mm -hmm. and deciding um, what styles are going to be what, uh, we just wanted to keep it simple. And I like just kind of the, the simple, um, you know, the same logo. A lot of people comment, like, they know that all these beers are from the same brewery, with the exceptions of a few of them. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what we're not going for. Bitter Waitress can be a little old school, but yeah, there's an elegance to this new branding. Um, it helps with the, it does help with the shopping experience, identifiability, but also to really know full, full on what they're buying and what they're, um, what they're getting. It's when these beers are lined up in spectrum, it's really quite beautiful to see. Mm. You know, it's, I, I have folks who show up with their Instagram open, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the opposite it's, end of, you know, people, like, you can go into the LCBO and pick something up and, mm -hmm. like, be turning the can around and, like, I don't know what beer this is. I don't know what beer. <laughs> Beautiful label, lovely artwork, but what, what kind of beer is this? That's, so we kind of went to the opposite end of, you know, this is, this is what beer you're getting. That's a problem I got back home now, a local brewery. It's the... Just the wild names. I'm like, I'll take number uh, 11. 
Right. Because it says double IPA underneath, and that's the only thing I can make out. Right. <laughs> Everything else makes no sense to me. But also, so. you know, not to not to go too deep into this point, but you know, as a brewery that as a kosher brewery that focuses very much on dietary restrictions, which is also relevant to allergies and things of this nature, mm -hmm. it's very problematic if you actually can't know what's. Uh, What's in the beer? What makes the beer kosher versus everything else? As as somebody who doesn't know this thing. Uh, so in in a nutshell, it's um, first off, our beers are all uh, supervised by a mashkiach, someone who is responsible for the kosher certification of the place and and the environment. Uh, what they're watching it and 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 working with us to ensure is that all of our ingredients are kosher, our processes. Our kosher and what does that relate to to the consumer that it has to do with that ingredients that are not permitted by kosher, kosher dietary laws are included in the beers mm -hmm. there's no cross-contamination of anything and just as a caveat for the most part your regular beers with your four basic ingredients typically don't require the same level of certification it's all the other stuff that goes in the fruits the spices the flavorings everything else so I brought it up specifically to point out that part of what we do is we, we ensure all the labels include ingredients, all, allergen declarations, everything, because we don't hide anything that goes into the beer. Mm -hmm. For us, it's because of our of kosher observance, but this is beneficial to anyone with any um, dietary restriction. Yeah, I mean, especially now it's... Uh how many people are discovering their gluten intolerances because we didn't really know it was a gluten intolerance back in the day, but now we do. So it's it's the even I know in Quebec there was glutenberg, that's like your big one. Yeah. And it's like non gluten beer and I'm like weird and I drink it, I'm like, it tastes the same. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I, I discussed it with with somebody who's got celiac and she's like, No, they literally it's still the same ingredients, but there's just so little that it just gets burned off during the process of the alcohol ratio. That's right. So it's uh, it's pretty crazy that, that like here I'm starting to see now like the ingredients are containing this and if you're allergic to this like sorry it's, it sucks for you but you know it's it's like even like you know um, sours for example that um, you know stuff that goes into the SAQ or the SCBO mm -hmm. they go through a rigorous process of vetting uh, the ingredients and the allergens and Canadian labeling laws but what if you're buying from a brewery and they threw a tub of yogurt in to sour it yeah. Um, not getting deep down to that, and not—it's not a—it's not, uh, not a dig at anyone's yeah. process. But for us, if we were to do that, we would have to declare that there's dairy in it, so on and so forth, and begin the process of that level of transparency. Mm -hmm. yeah, and being transparent to your clientele is is a huge thing. You can't—you have faithful customers who are like, I, I love this concept of, like, you guys aren't messing around. Here's straightforward. We're we're straightforward with what we're doing. We don't mess around. At all, no, so that's that's awesome. Uh, I'd like to ask collabs, so uh, you mentioned you had brewed a beer for the rest of the area you're working for, but have you done any other collabs when, is, you know, when it comes to your oatmeal stout, did you work with a local farmer to get the oatmeal or uh, for your wheat, are you working with local farmers from that and then maybe future collabs you'd like to do when it comes to brewing a beer? I haven't done any specific collaborations yet mm -hmm. um, other than just the break noise, um, which I think a lot of people are, are familiar with. We, I, I don't work with any farmers other than that. I, I send my spent grain to, uh, to a local yeah. family farm. 
I don't know. I've been so busy this last year. I haven't really uh, had time to sit down and think about um, who we can collaborate with. Right. So there, there are partnerships that develop with restaurant groups and hotels that we do a lot of bespoke brewing, like inspired very much by what we did with Beer Bistro. Mm -hmm. There's probably, and I'm not going to put Jamie on the spot, but there's probably a wish list of people I know in my mind that I would love yeah. to collaborate with. But um, it's early days and uh, we need to make sure that our feet are well wet before we, we, we step off. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to even shout out like some guys either Ottawa or Canada wide, like a couple of dream collabs that we finally have the time to do this, who would, who would be a few of those? Now, I'm sure you'd love to go out to Little Beast and deal with uh, Aaron, but she's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anybody, you know, oh, you know, oh, I'd like to deal with one of the Pauls or somebody else. You want to pick a couple and I'll pick so, a couple because I, yeah. I, we never spoke about it, but even, I know. I mean, if you, you know any American brewers enough, you'd love really. to brew with or overseas, like any kind of dream collabs, that's what we like to so, ask. So. so there are places overseas uh, that I'd like to work with, but that's more... Um, that's more because I want to go back to Israel. Yeah. That's more because of you know European breweries and other things like that. But yeah. um, I know from my perspective, and this is uh, this is this is my view on it. I, Jamie has not discussed this with me. Little Beast is great. I'd love to work with uh, people like Jason Comblay, uh, Luke Dimpontaine. Mm -hmm. You know, at Godspeed, I would love to. You know, working with folks like Tooth, at Tooth and Nail. Is you know, there, there's just some amazing, amazing people out there that I think. Uh, are doing very special things that I, I find to be very inspiring from a craft from a craft perspective, but also, you know, professionally speaking, I've been inspiring at least to myself. Yeah. And as a side note, you know, Canada wide, I I know that I would love nothing more than to you know go bug Ian at Driftwood, and uh, say hey, can we play? Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, yourself, any country uh, collapse? I can't think of anything. I haven't had time to sit and dream <laughs> over this last year. She's a busy brewer. Yes. Well, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you know, being busy and keeping your fridges fairly stocked, because uh, I'm sure you get rushes of people just coming in and buying beer. And I can't imagine what it's like Friday, because like I said, industrial area is, okay, I'm coming here, I'm buying like a six or a 12, and then I'm going home and I'm just sitting in my backyard. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it would, I mean, it, I'd love to see a lot more collaborations in general um, with the women, mm -hmm. you know, the women who are for brewmasters, owners brewmasters, um, it would be cool to start seeing some national or even international with some some brewers in the states. Yeah, you know, there's there's been a little bit of that happening, and it'd be nice to see more of it. Because I know it, it, she started in Quebec, uh, Roxy. She's got the beer babes collaborations going on, and each one is like a imperial stout, but it's with a brewery, and the ladies go in, and it's almost like the Pink Boot Society as well, which is another like thing that that we think is great. You know. Uh, Friends of ours at Kahnawake Brewing, he just made his first pink boots, and it's like, oh, this beer's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, the, the brave noise, every one I've had has been great. And same thing with the Black is Beautiful beers. Like every kind of uh, charity beer, I guess is the way to say it. Like they've all for for the here's the base recipe and make it your own. All the beers have been great that I've had, so I can't really complain at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I know you both, you know, you got your kids. Uh, but if there's a time where you could just, the two of you, or even with the kids, take a beer-based beer vacation when you have the time, it's a little safer to travel, because it's still like wearing masks on plane for hours on end. Kind of sucks, but it's got to be done. Uh, but it's a beer-cation you've never taken that you'd love to. Have you ever thought about this? I have. Okay. What have you got? It's not Belgium, actually. Okay. I would really, I would really like to go to Italy. Interesting. 
uh, and particularly Rome. Um, much of the beer is in Tuscany, but that's that's fine. But Rome, you know, uh, would, first off, there's lots of things that we can eat and consume and enjoy over there. <laughs> but it's an unbelievable craft beer scene that's developing in Italy that I, I would be very interested to explore. That would be one. Okay. I would say maybe Denver. Yeah. Denver, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a there's huge no beer, beer scene. There. Go, go out for the GABF or there's something. A, yeah. um, so there's a brewery there called Great Divide, which many people are familiar with. Um, and I had a lot of their beers a long time ago, uh, back when I worked at Volo, actually. Um, and a few of their beers have inspired some of my recipes. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a brewery that I definitely like to check out. And I know Denver, I don't know the name of it, um, but they have a cidery that is kosher certified. Yes, they do. I don't remember either, but... Yeah. Um, so I think that would be a fun place to explore the beer scene. And Ben, you mentioned uh, Israel before. How is... Uh, somebody who's completely blind to that, how is the craft beer scene in Israel? So, um, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's early days. Okay. But it's not immature either. Like, there's been craft beer there now for a little while. So, the, like, the, 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 the mass-produced beer, so to speak, there are already based on the Reinheitz Geburt. So they're, they're, you know, the Israeli palate is already accustomed to a very different quality level of beer. No adjuncts, nothing else. Mm -hmm. But um, you have a lot of people that, first off, you know, you have expats from the US who, who set up shop there, <laughs> who are doing things. What a surprise. But also, there's, there's a lot more room to play in the country when it comes to developing craft beer business and whatnot. So it's, there's, there's um, beer festivals in places like Jerusalem. There's, you know, there's breweries in the desert, which is unbelievable. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, 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 it's really exciting. It's expensive to build a brewery there because they're getting all their equipment from Europe. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's a growing sector of Israeli society that enjoys going out to restaurants, enjoys wine and beer and, and, and you know, I guess finer things, so to speak. And it, it's... You know, they're, they're digging in and they're delving in. I think it's fantastic. That's awesome to hear. And the Israeli culture in general, it's, you know, it's, it's many things, but a big component of it, it's, it's, it's a cafe culture. Everyone's out mm. all the time. So it's, it's a very different vibe. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as I like to say, somebody comes here, buys a bunch of your beers, has a beer or two on your patio or inside on the, on the tables, uh, friends in the area for them to try. Well, so first off, uh, I will probably say that we love practically everyone, um, but definitely check out Vimy mm -hmm. in the area. Check out Bicycle if you like IPAs. We're big fans of Tooth & Nail. I think Spark's doing phenomenal stuff. Uh, yeah, the, the, you know, the beer scene here is only getting better, and it's a huge community of people who support each other. So explore, check it out. Um, Nothing's in excess. We just got to drive past those 15 minutes yeah. and you'll get there. Yeah, just make sure you always have a designated driver. That's what, is, so. Yes. That's, that's the important part. Awesome. Just a quick uh, question. So you have a BMC drinker come in, but most Coors drinker come in. What's a gateway beer that you highly suggest that that's your, here, try this craft beer instead? One of two things. Um, so frankly, the, the Session Ale plays that, that really well. It's, it's a lagered ale. It's crisp. It's clean. It's grainy. Light fruity note. It's a delicious take on, I want a beer, mm -hmm. right? And um, I think that's very important to have, but I, I think it puts a, a lot of uh, folks at ease. 
if they want to step it up a little bit and they say, no, I'm, you know, I want something that's more crafty, I would say the Amber Ale. Cool. Uh, so what's next for, for Shiloh Beer Company? Frankly, I, I, I think we want to consolidate what we're doing. I think we want to develop. <laughs> we want... <laughs> <laughs> we want to develop our uh, our hospitality options and go from there. You know, I, I think we, we we need to reinforce what we're already doing well and shore up a few other things, and then we'll we'll get back to guns a blazing. Just maybe a couple more tables inside and outside. And yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, we definitely want to have some some food options available here eventually. Awesome. Look forward to it. I can't wait for it. Uh, thank you very much both for thank hosting well. us today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your <laughs> clearly very busy schedule <laughs> uh, to speak with us about, about your uh, brewery. Uh, let the people know where they can find you. So we are located at 1458 Searville Road uh, in Gloucester, Ontario, or otherwise known as Yay! Ottawa, Ottawa Yay! East. We can be found in numerous bars and restaurants throughout the province uh, in the LCBO. Uh, we are available online through our web store. We deliver all over Ontario. And uh, if I have my way, more things to come after that. Social media? Social media. Where are we? We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all, all the usual ones. All the usual. Okay. See, it's usually at Shillobeer. Okay. Shillobeer.com. Perfect. So we're going to add all that in the show notes. As for us, uh, the website is allbeerinside.com, at allbeerinside on all social media. And as I say at the end of all episodes, drink craft, not crap. There we are.